So I just pray this morning that we can all come here. If you're feeling this early January, February, miraculous March, amazing life, April, just do it. Oh, April, May, momentum May, just do it June. Jehovah Jireh July, Apple of His Eye August, stretch out September, and here we are in overflow October. September was an incredible month of breakthrough. It's just absolutely incredible that that the breakthrough came like two weeks ago for us to be able to get into this building. I'm so excited. It came down to a last round fight where they said, well, they had me go over and sign the lease. And when I went to sign the lease, I was already rejoicing, making selfies of me signing the contract and everything. And the guy comes in and says, well, um, we have a disclaimer to give you. And that is that someone else is wanting to lease the whole thing. And so um, you've got a, until next Wednesday. We'll see if they if they don't like. Well, you just go tell the owner that this deal's going to fall through for the other people because God got me out of the Starbucks line and told me to come over here and look at it. So this building is already is already ours. Amen. And so he's just like you said, it's already done. You got to act like it's already done. And so he said, well, I don't mind telling him that either. I said, well, you go ahead and tell him because just get the keys ready for me because it's going to be ours. And sure enough, he called a week later and said, you got it. Amen. So praise God, you got to stay in the faith fight. And sometimes yes. you think the fight's over, but you got to go one more round. What do we do? Wipe our face off. Amen. Throw the towel in there. Catch it. Wipe your face off and go back in for one more round. Say, you didn't take me out with that. I'm going to keep fighting. Amen. Amen. So that was stretch out. We stretched out. And stretching is uncomfortable. But yes. this month, God has declared overflow in October. Not just that, but we're preparing for an outpouring. We just started a time of consecration starting last, uh, just this past Monday. And if you look on the back of your note sheet, we have the instructions for the, for the time of consecration. This time of fasting and prayer. It'll be over on Sunday, November the 4th. But we're in a time of, of consecrating, drawing closer to God. And we're preparing for an outpouring through this time of consecration. So let's look at what consecration is. We're preparing for an outpouring. So consecration means to be set apart. It means to separate ourselves as men and women of God. To be uncompromising, surrendered, dedicated, focused, and deeper times with God. So Joshua 3.5, here's our foundational text. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. So great miracles, great moves of God comes normally on the heels of consecration. Matthew 6, 6, look what Jesus said. He said, but you, when you pray, go into your room, separate yourself. What does it say to be consecrated? To be separate, set apart, separate ourselves. So you go in your room and when you've shut the door. Pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And that's what we're calling this time of consecration, the secret place. Pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. So a boldness comes out with you. Uh, you become broken in the secret place. There's, there's a breakthrough happens when we consecrate. So great victories. Number one, great victories follow times of consecration. When we look at the life of Elijah, Elijah, after a three-year consecration, he went by the brook. Remember, God sent him to be by the brook when the, there was a great famine in the land. He said that the ravens are going to come feed you twice a day, but you drink water from the brook until there was such a famine that, and such a drought that for, for three years it didn't rain. And uh, there was, you know, the harvest were all messed up and everything. There was a famine and a drought in the land. And so he drank from the brook until that dried up. And for three years he consecrated. Three years. Say three years. Three years. 
that, that some mighty power came out of that three-year consecration. Because then when the brook dried up, he sent him to the widow woman, a woman who was in desperate situation. She was in a desperate situation, but she, he said, look, she said, all I got is a little bit of meal and a little bit of oil in a jar. And I'm about to go make a little cake for me and my son. We're going to eat it and we're going to die. He said, go do as you've said. He said, but first make me a little biscuit from it first. And after you make, make me a little biscuit, then go make a meal for you and your son. It triggered the supernatural supply and power of God for her. So all throughout the rest of the famine, um, he was there with this widow woman. So it triggered supply for, for this time of consecration and her obedience. It triggered times of supply. So Elijah, after three years of this consecration, consecration he came out with a boldness where he called down fire from heaven. He killed 400 false prophets. He prayed down a rainstorm and he outran a chariot. I'd say that's pretty much a pretty big move of God in one man's life. So then we're expecting, just like he was so bold that he stood and he said, the, the God who answers by fire, he is God. That one is God. But after three years of consecration, spending time alone with God, you would know God's voice. And you would know. So he wasn't afraid to stand and say, you know, hey. They, they were uh, cutting themselves. The one prophets of Baal, they were cutting themselves, trying to, you know, get their God to answer by fire. But when nothing happened, Elijah's like, hey, maybe he's deaf. You know, uh, maybe, you know, you need to cry a little bit louder. They cried a little bit louder. They cut themselves with stones. He said, okay, well, maybe he's on a vacation. And he came here because he's on a vacation. He just, he just out of the office. Just, y'all, y'all get a little bit louder. They get a little bit louder. So after they'd done all they could do, he said, y'all done now. And he put things in order. And he called down fire from heaven. And fire came down. But he had a boldness. Do you hear me talking to you today? Because he consecrated. Because he spent time alone with God. He had a boldness that he needed for this move of God. And I'm telling you, there's a move of God that God wants to happen right here at 7211 FM 1960. And he's going to do it through us. Yes. Amen. Yes. And it will happen because of this season of consecration. It's only a short amount of time and we're already one week into it. Amen. Yes. But God wants a boldness to come out of it that will cause an outpouring. Acts 4.13. It says, now when they saw the boldness, underlined boldness, of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men. They marveled and they realized what? That they'd been with Jesus. They had boldness. Why? Because they had been with Jesus. Because they'd been with Jesus. They were bold because they'd been with Jesus. And then, of course, Abraham. Abraham was, was a guy who, who consecrated his entire life. God said, come on to come away from your people. Come away from your country. Come away from your family. Come away from everything that's familiar and come with me. Come on this journey with me and let me show you a land that I'm going to give you. Genesis 12, 1, he says, Now the Lord had said to Abram, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I'll show you. So he consecrated for 20 years. How many of you know God wanted to do a great move of God through Abraham? Yes. He wanted, he, he, the promised son, he wanted an entire nation was, at, was, was on the line. This whole nation that God wanted to, to come into being called Israel, it was all wrapped up in this old man's loins yes. and an old woman. Yes. And for 20 years she was barren, but for 20 years they consecrated and they believed God and spent 20 years with God believing this thing to come to pass. And we know that, um, that Abraham had Isaac, Isaac had Jacob, and Jacob 
became Israel. God changed Jacob's name to Israel. That's where the country Israel got its name. And so Jacob had 12 sons, which became the 12 tribes of Israel. So that was, a, that was the, the move of God that was all wrapped up in Abraham. And it all came to pass because Abraham chose to go on that journey of consecration with God. And live a life that was different than the life he was living back in Ur with his family and them. So it started with one man's decision to consecrate. Your decision to consecrate can produce a great move of God. Amen? Amen. Number two, the Holy Spirit leads us into a life of consecration. The Holy Spirit is here to lead us into consecration. It's the very same thing that he did for Jesus. But look at 2 Corinthians 6.17. It says, therefore, come out from them and be separate, says the Lord. He's still calling us to be separate. 1 Peter 2, 9 through 10 says, But you are a chosen generation. Generation, You're a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. Sounds like consecration, doesn't it? Who once were not a people, but now, but are now the people of God, who have not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. So we see Jesus right after his baptism. He was led by the Spirit into consecration. Look at Luke 4.1. It says, Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, so that the Holy Spirit led him, right? Mm -hmm. Returned from the Jordan where he was baptized. It says, And he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, into consecration for 40 days. Yes. He fought and won spiritual battles. He fasted for 40 days and he fought and he won some spiritual battles. He fought and he won some spiritual battles. During this time of consecration, you're going to fight and win some spiritual battles. While Jesus was there consecrating for 40 days and, and for 40 nights, the enemy came to him and tried to get all up in his head. Mm. And don't think that if he did if he did it for Jesus, he's not going to do it to you. He, he did it to Jesus. He's our example. He's going to do it to you. He's going to try yes. to get all up in your head. Yes. Hunt your neighbor and say he's going to try to get all up in your head. But the Bible says we have to cast down imaginations and cast down everything that is not does not line up with the word of God. Cast it down. They try to get you on a fence. Yes. Try to get you to start making excuses. And excuses are crutches for the uncommitted. Yes. You will not challenge the accepted norm if you if you um, are making excuses, if you're willing to lean on the crutch of an excuse. Amen. Amen. So um, during these times of consecration, you're gonna you're gonna have some battles. I mean, if the devil came to Jesus and tried to get him to jump off a building, commit suicide, yes. try to get him to um, make the turn the stones into bread, to you know, to to be all prideful, and then um, tried to get him to bow down and worship him. He says all these kingdoms he showed him in a flash. How do you think he showed him all the kingdoms of the world in his head, yes. in his mind, in his imagination? He shows them all the kingdoms of the world. We need some more chairs. Can I get some guys to help out with getting out some more chairs? We got, let's see, we have three right here. We can scoot down or move around. Or... Okay. Let's see if I can pick up where I was. All right. Yeah, so then he, then he tried to get him to jump off a building. You know, he got up in Jesus' head to try to derail his destiny. Tried to derail the move of God. What? The death on the cross? The burial and the resurrection that was going to cause us all to be free and, and, and cause us to be, you know, to have victory over death. Amen? Amen? And so there was a whole lot on the line. So this time of consecration, don't you know the devil came after him? So during this time of consecration, I want you to be aware. That's why I started warning you even the week before we started this time. You better be watching out. Yes. 
Because he's going to try to get in your head, going to try to get you offended, going to try to get you to say, oh, they don't need me. They don't need my prayer. It doesn't matter if I get on the prayer call. I'm tired anyway. Come on, somebody. Oh, yeah, I've got to quiet right there. I've got to tell my too late. So, amen, yes. So he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness for 40 days. He fought and he fasted. He fought and he fasted. Number three, a consecrated life creates a life of spiritual power. A life of spiritual power. We need spiritual power. Yes. Amen? Amen. We need, we, we, we need to you know, have this boldness that Peter and John had. Silver and gold have I not, but such as I have, I give it unto you. you we got to know what we have. Just like you said, Tamar. i got to know what I have. i got to know who I am. And those things come to us during times of consecration, during times of hearing His Word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. You're only going to act on what you really believe. And you're not going to believe it unless you hear it. Amen. So we got to be filling up on the Word during this time of consecration. Really hearing God, not just in the written Word, but the rhema Word of God. Amen. We want to be hearing God's voice for ourselves. Isn't that like the best thing that happens? Is when you hear God's voice, when you hear Him speak a word to you, and it's like, oh my gosh, that's you, Lord. That's you talking to me. There's nothing better in this world than that right there. Amen. Amen. All right. So it's, it's, it creates a life of spiritual power. So consecration, listen to me, y'all. This is really important because the Lord had me put this down. Consecration keeps you out of the blurry area. Consecration keeps you out of the blurry area. Okay, we know we all live under grace, right? You know, Jesus is taking care of our sins. But you know, there's hot and there's cold. There's right and there's wrong. There's what his word says is okay. And there's what his word definitely says is not okay. And there's a line in between. But when that line starts to look a little blurry, that's when you know you better get consecrated. Need to come away, get separate, and get back in that word. See what God's word says about how am I supposed to be living? What does he need me to do? Why am I really here? I did a funeral on um, Friday morning. You know, the lady was my same age. She was my same age. And as I was studying for that that sermon, I I ran across on the computer, on the internet, a saying by Billy Graham. He says, "What, what is the thing that you're most surprised by in life? He said, it's the brevity of life. It's so short. And I thought, my God, all the things I want to accomplish, all the things I want to do. And I'm here today, I'm marrying a woman who's my very same age. It's like, God, I got to make sure I'm, I'm on it. Yeah. You know, I want to make sure that I'm not, you know, chasing my tail or I'm, I'm going or, you know, I, I want to be laser focused on what you want with my life, God. I don't want to be in this blurry area. I want to be so right on target that I'm fulfilling the days and the pages that he wrote for me. Psalm 139 says that he fashioned the days for me and wrote them all down in a book when as yet there were none. So he has days planned for you, purpose planned for you, things that he wants you to do. And we don't need to get in this blurry area here. You got to know I am right on track. I'm faithful. I'm committed. God can count on me. My church can count on me. My family can count on me. People can count on me. People can count on me. I'm committed. People not wondering whether I'm going to show up or whether I'm going to, you know, people know I'm solid. Amen. Amen. So this blurry area, consecration helps you with that. Because, you know, we can drift off course. 
Bishop talked about how he, when he bought a boat, that the guy he bought the boat from took him out and spent a lot of time explaining to him how an anchor works. And he's like, hey man, can we move on to something else, like how to drive this thing? He said, but we can't go on with that until you know how to anchor this boat properly because if you don't, the anchor won't catch like it's supposed to. You've got to make sure you have the right kind of anchor because if you don't, your boat will begin to drift and you won't realize it. And then, because when you get out on the ocean, it's all the same. the same. You don't know. Everything in you says that's east and east is over there. Mm-hmm. So you can't drift. You can't drift. We can't drift. Amen. We can't drift. Amen. So consecration anchors us, keeps us solid. Brings things back into focus. And it produces power again. Sensitivity to the spirit is critical. And consecration brings it back. All we need to do is just be sensitive to the spirit. Amen. Consecration brings that back. Luke 4.14. After Jesus had finished his fighting, look what it says. Then Jesus returned in the what? When did he come back in? He came back with power after a season of consecration. He returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee and news of him went out through all the surrounding region. So he lived a, a, a prayer life that was filled with consecration. That's why he had power. Look at Luke 5, 16. As often as possible, Jesus withdrew to out-of-the-way places for prayer. Now, if anybody could skip prayer, wouldn't you think it'd be Jesus? Wouldn't you think? He knows it all. He is God in the flesh. He should be able to skip prayer time and be all right. No. As often as possible, Jesus withdrew to out-of-the-way places. That, he got away from everybody else. That's called consecration, right? Yes. So he, he withdrew to out-of-the-way places for prayer. He prayed, A, before he planned his day. Amen. Write that down under A. He prayed before he planned his day. See, when you get up and you spend time in the secret place and you hear his voice, he'll begin to talk to you about your day. We ought to talk to God about absolutely everything, every decision that we make, everything that we're going to do. Sometimes we want something so bad, it's like, I don't want to go to God and ask him because he might say no. But we've got to really care that if he says no, then the answer is no, and that he has the best in mind for us. Yes. Amen. So we've got to be willing to deal with a no. Amen. Or a not now. Yes. Sometimes we just say, God, I'll get back with you. I'll get back. I can't talk to you about that right now. I want this too bad. I'll come back and ask for forgiveness right now. I just, I'm just not going to ask for permission. But Jesus would slip off. Before he planned his day, look at Mark 1, 35 through 38. It says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Verse 36 said, Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everybody's looking for you. Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That's why I've come. Amen. Looky there. Yes. Jesus got into consecration and, and Simon's like, everybody here is looking for you. Jesus got new orders from God. We're not staying here. God wants us to go preach somewhere else. Come on, let's go. So before he planned his day, he got up and he, he, he let God order his day. Yes. And that's what we need to do. Let God plan our day. If we want our days to be successful, don't we want to do it God's way? Yes. Hallelujah. 
B, so he prayed A, before he planned his day, B, before he rescued his friends. Amen. And the Holy Spirit does that. He'll speak to you about somebody. He'll tell you to send a text to someone or answer somebody's call that you wouldn't normally answer. Matthew 14, 23, it says, And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. But before he went up to pray, he sent the disciples in the boat and told them to go to the other side of the lake or to the other side of the sea. You, you, you guys just go ahead and go to the other side of the sea. I'm going up, I'm going up there to pray. So he goes up to pray. And while they're on their way to the other side of the, of the lake, a storm blew up. Now, this is not just a little lake. This is huge. It's like a sea, the Sea of Galilee. So in prayer and in sensitivity to God, he knew that his boys were in trouble. So that's when he goes walking on the sea to go get to his boys. And that's when Peter got out of the boat and came and walked on the sea. So sometimes when you're in prayer, you're sensitive to to prayer time. When you're there, the Holy Spirit will just impress upon you about somebody or talk to you about somebody. When somebody's in trouble or you get a sense, you know what, I just think I'm going to go this way home today. And you go a different way. It's just a sense that you get from the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. I just feel like, I don't know why I'm doing it this way, but I just feel like I need to do it different. See, that's the day by day, moment by moment walk that he wants us to have through consecration. Yes. That we live consecrated lives. I believe it was Kenneth Hagin who said that he never really had to fast more than like three days for anything he was asking God about because he lived a consecrated life. Amen. He lived consecrated. And that's how Jesus lived. Is he, he lived consecrated. So, like when someone else is in trouble, I'll never forget the time when um, my mother and I were not very close. We were not close at all because I grew up without her. She never came and got me. She didn't take care of me. She, she, she was just absent from my life until I was 17, and by then it was just too late. And she, you know, she held a gun on me one time. It was a really terrible, terrible relationship. So when I got grown up, I didn't have any use for her. I just didn't. We didn't have a, a relationship. I had just gotten saved. It wasn't even, my mother wasn't even on my radar. I wasn't even thinking about her. And God said, why won't you honor your mother? (laughs) Ouch. Mm -hmm. I'm like, well, she's never, my honest aunt, you can't front God. Mm -hmm. I said, she's never done anything for me. God said, were you not born out of her body? I said, yes, sir, I was. Mm -hmm. He said, well, when you honor her, you honor me because I've commanded you to honor her. Amen. Okay, yes, sir. Well, the next day, she never called me because I wouldn't take her calls. The next day, she called my studio. My staff said, it's your mom on the phone. Mm-hmm. Why don't we tell her? I said, put it through. So I got on the phone with my mom. I talked with her for a minute. She said, well, I'm moving into a new apartment. I wonder if you'd help me come fix up my apartment. Now, my mom was a cat woman. I don't know if y'all have ever known a cat woman. If we have any cat women in here, I'm sorry. My mother was a cat woman, so she had umpteen cats. And your nose knows you have a cat. Your nose really knows when you have umpteen cats. As soon as you walked in the door, it was like, oh, Lord, it's bad. So nobody wanted to go over to her house. But she said, would you please come and help me fix up? So I said, okay. So I stopped at Target and grabbed a few things. I had some things, some pillows and stuff that I brought to her. Things to hang on the wall and some candles. I lit them immediately when I got there. So, well, I didn't want to hurt her feelings. God had spoken to me to honor her. So I didn't want to do anything that would hurt her feelings. I wanted to just, just honor her and help her fix, do what she asked me to do. And so I really enjoyed my time with her. And the place didn't smell that bad because it was new. 
So I enjoyed my time with her. It was really awesome. And as I got ready to leave, she stopped me at the door and she said, Sally, I want to thank you for coming and doing this. I said, oh, that's no big deal. She goes, no, really. Thank you. She said, I, I was feeling like I just didn't know what I was going to do. She said, because I felt like I wasn't good enough for any of my kids. Mm. Just thinking about suicide. Mm. And God knew it. And God spoke to me. Yes. To just honor her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure he spoke to her to not give up just quite yet. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he spoke to her to call me. Mm. So praise God. I went to her, her grave uh, day before yesterday. And uh, it's just right over on Aldean Westfield. So I... I go over to look at her, and you know how you like to look at all the other gravestones all around. I look two stones down, and there's Barbara Collins. I'm like, Barbara Collins? I used to remember named Barbara Collins. I looked up close, sure enough, there's her picture smiling on the front of the tomb. I'm like, Barbara Collins, what are you doing here? <laughs> Praise the Lord, but I still honor and go see her, you yes. know, at the cemetery because, you know, God said to do that. But he did that during times of consecration. Man, when yes. I first got saved, I was a fasting, loving me some God, somebody. But, you know, we get get going and we can kind of get to where, you know, we loosen up on that because we think we know everything. Mm. Amen? Amen. So, before he rescued somebody. So, God will speak to you to rescue somebody. So, see, Jesus prayed before he made big decisions. Amen. You got a big decision to make. You know what? Don't make a quick decision. Sleep on it. Say, God, I'm going to give you some time to talk to me about this. I'm going to fast. You know, maybe it's just you don't, don't go to Starbucks for three days. That will jack your world up. Yes. <laughs> if you are used to having Starbucks, mm-hmm. my poor husband. <laughs> I announced I was, I was fasting coffee. He said, I'm with you, babe. If you're fasting coffee, I'm fasting coffee. <laughs> but God started talking to me. But that would jack. That, where am I going with this? Okay. Three <laughs> decisions. Fasting your coffee will, will jack your world, your world up. But if you just say, you know what, God, I'm going to give you three days, no Starbucks. Just I'm going to put my flesh under because I want to hear your voice about this decision. I don't want to make a wrong decision. Yes. I don't want to have to backtrack and try to get back, you know, back on track. I want to hear your voice and know that I know that you give me peace about this decision I'm making. So look here. Jesus did that before he made big decisions. Luke 6, 12 through 13. How many of you think it was an important decision about who to choose for his disciples? Yes. The 12 men who were going to set the world on fire when he leaves? The one that would even be used to betray him? It's a big decision. He knew who he was choosing. Luke 6, 12 through 13. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray. And spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them. Then D, he prayed for his friends. He He prayed for his friends. Luke 22, 31 to 32. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you. That he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you return to me, strengthen your brethren. So see, he got a word of knowledge. See, the nine gifts of the Spirit, you know, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, prophetic utterances. I mean, God wants us to be so tuned up with him. He gave Jesus a word of knowledge about what was going to go down with Peter. He already knew Peter was going to uh, uh, betray him. He said, I'm ready to go to the cross with you, Jesus. I got you. I got you. I'm your I got your back. Jesus said, before the night's over with, before the, the cock crows, three to, or, or, before the cock crows, you will have denied me three times. Jesus had a word of knowledge. How did he get that word of knowledge? Because of consecration. He let the Father talk to him. 
So he'd know what was going on. So he said, look, yeah, when you've returned, when you've returned to me, strengthen your brethren. I prayed for you, Peter. You're going to be all right. Yes. When the Lord told me what was going to happen, I said, Lord, don't let it happen. And he pray, he, I, I prayed for you, Peter. You're going to come through this. And you're going to be a strengthener to others. Yes. Amen. So he prayed for his friends. So it's important that we pray for our friends. It's important that we pray for people. You know, don't think, don't just say, like, it's so easy to just send a text and say, okay, I'm on it. I'll pray for you. I'm praying. And then never say a prayer. So, yeah. So we pray for our friends. Then E. He prayed for his enemies. Amen. Somebody's giving you a hard time. You having a, you having a rough spell with somebody. Somebody's doing you wrong. Somebody's treating you bad. He prayed for his enemies. E. Jesus prayed for his enemies. He was a little busy hanging there on the cross, wasn't he? Yeah. Wasn't he a little busy mm. dying for all our sins? Yeah. He was a little busy, but he took time to say, Father, forgive, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Yes. He took time to pray for his enemies. And we have to pray for our enemies, not just that God would, you know, Father, forgive them, not just that. God bless them. Now, see right there, you say, God, you've gone too far. <laughs> he had me, you know. I can just say, forgive him, Lord, but now you want me to pray some kind of blessing on him? I can't get the words to come out of my mouth. <laughs> Lord, <laughs> I can't do it. I can't do it. But he'll give you the strength. Yes. He'll give you the strength to be able to do it, to pray for your enemies. Pray that he bless them. Yes. Amen. I remember doing that back when I first got saved. I, I never, I never knew that Christian people could be mean, could be mean to you, lie on you, say you say things about you that weren't true. I, I didn't believe it was true. I didn't believe it was possible. And so when it happened to me, I really just, I just couldn't believe it. Mm-hmm. So I, I called my friend Don Norman and said, you know, I, I I'm, I'm really upset because these people have, have lied on me. He said, Sally, have you prayed? I'm like, no. <laughs> I have not prayed. I said, I just want to throw up. And he said, well, girl, here's what I want you to do. When you go and pray, go and tell Jesus, Jesus, my friend down Norman told me to come and tell you I want to throw up. <laughs> so that's exactly how I prayed. I didn't come with some big long prayer. I said, Lord, I feel like I want to throw up. Mm-hmm. And so I felt like if I opened my eyes, the face of Jesus would be this close to me. Mm-hmm. And I began to pray for these people. And I couldn't believe the words that were coming out of my mouth. Mm-hmm. Lord bless them. Mm-hmm. Lord make them just like little fat little babies that are just getting bottle after bottle after bottle. Mm-hmm. Not even know where it's coming from. But it's coming because I'm praying, Lord. Just bless them. Make their, their, bless their little ugly children. Bless them, God. <laughs> bless them. Make them healthy. Make them happy. Bless their business. Yes. Yes. Hallelujah. I remember praying for I couldn't believe the words were coming out of my mouth. But see, Jesus will help you do it. Yes. If Jesus did it, you can do it, right? Praise God. Then Effie prayed for the sick. It's all part of consecration. He prayed for the sick. He got results when others failed. Yes. And he attributed his success in healing the sick to consecration. Remember the boy who the, who, whose father brought him to the disciples because he kept having these epileptic fits. And he'd get thrown into the fire and thrown into the water. The devil was trying to kill him. And uh, he took him to the disciples. The disciples couldn't get him, couldn't get him delivered. And so Jesus said, bring him here to me. Um, and so Jesus cast the devil out of him. And uh, the disciples came to Jesus secretly later and said, why couldn't we do it? And Jesus said, because you don't have no faith. Look what it says. 
Matthew 17, 20. So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you'll say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it'll move, and nothing will be impossible for you. However, this kind does not go out except by consecration. Consecration. So there's some devils are only going to move because you fast and pray. Some barriers are only going to break down because you fast and pray. I'm not saying you got you can't have no fun. I'm not saying your whole life has got to be, but you do have to consecrate and spend some time with God. Yes. Come on, y'all. Praise God. So there's some breakthroughs that we're only going to experience because of consecration. All right, number four, we experience transforming power when we, when we consecrate ourselves. Transforming power. That's, that's the time when God begins to change us, when he begins to work on us. Romans 12, 1 through 2. It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. One, one translation says it's your reasonable service. It's the, it's the least you could do. Mm-hmm. So it says, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Uh-oh, sounds like be separate. Don't be like them. Yep. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The time that you spend in His Word. See, the renewing of the mind takes place when we get in His Word, when we saturate in His Word. And we'll only act on what we believe, right, Ken? Only act on what you believe, because what? Repetitive information bursts the belief system, and your belief system is going to dictate your behavior. Amen. All right, now let, let's look at consecrated giving real quick. This is going to go fast. All right, number one, it has always been, I love this, it has always been the will of God for the hearts of the people of God to be stirred to give, to build the house of God, to do the work of God. So it's always been the will of God for the hearts of the people of God to be stirred to give, to build the house of God, to do the work of God. Amen. It's an act of consecration, a free will offering from our hearts when we give to build the house of God. So we read last week about how David said he'd set his affections on the house of God. He consecrated himself and prepared his heart to give. See, that's part of consecration. As we looked last week, I had Kent to hold the big bowl of lemons. He had 20 lemons. We said, okay, well, how many of those lemons belong to God? Two. He's got 20 lemons. How many belong to God? Two. 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 10% of those lemons belong to God. They're not Kent's. They were He was holding the bowl, but they weren't his. Those were God's, and we needed to get them out of his bowl, right? Yes. And then we put the tissue over it and showed that, that that's holy, that those two linens were holy because they were God's, right? Yes. And then what happened was it caused holiness and it called a cons- caused a consecration because he set apart God's part. It causes a consecration to come on his 18 that are left. Amen. So, so uh, we put a tissue over his because his is now consecrated money. God said, I'll rebuke the devourer for your sakes. Praise he says, your vine will not fail to produce for you. So his money has become special now. And so then when you reach in to what's special and take out an offering for God, that's where God says, I'll see if I won't open up the windows of heaven and pour you out such blessing you'll not have room enough to receive it. So you take from what's holy and consecrated because you took the 10% out. This, there's a blessing on this. So when you take that out, that's where God says, don't rob me of the opportunity to pour out such blessing on you that it turns into overflow. That you'll not have room enough to receive it. But see, that's called consecrating your money. And you have to consecrate your heart before you do that. You have to decide. And that your flesh ain't never going to want to cooperate with spiritual stuff. It's a spiritual act. 
It's an act of consecration to be a tither and a giver. And when we give especially for the house of God, that's over and above giving. Amen? Amen. It's over. It's an over and above offering that we're going to receive on the 4th because we want to see this house built out, right? We know that these columns and arches look old. We know that that is really not a screen. screen. We know that we just put that up there because we're not going to spend any of God's money on something that we're going to replace right quick. Amen. We know it's janky. Right. Come on. So we, we want to get it up to speed. We have great plans to build another sanctuary over here and make this part. Well, I'm going to talk to you more about what we're going to do to it. But but um, but it's an act of consecration. Amen. Everybody understand that? Yes. All right. Look here. Let's look at how David talked about how he had set his affections on the house of God, how he consecrated his heart. And he prepared himself to give. First Chronicles 29, 3. It says, Moreover, because I have set my affection, be consecrated on the house of my God, I have given to the house of my God over and above all that I've prepared for the holy house, my own special treasure of gold and silver. So he spent time preparing to give to the house of God. Amen? Amen. All right. Don't let me lose y'all now. Come on, say with me. First Chronicles 29, 5 says, Who then will offer willingly consecrating himself today to the Lord. Do y'all see that? David gave. He set his affection as a leader. He he consecrated himself and said, look, this is what I've prepared for the holy house. He brought gold. He brought silver because back then there was no Home Depot around the corner. So they were using gold for the things they were going to build of gold, silver for things that were built. They brought marble slabs and all kinds of um, stones and all the stuff they needed. Say stuff. To build the temple, they brought it. And uh, David brought a, a huge offering first from his own special treasure, it says, that he consecrated himself and decided that he would pour out his affection on God through giving the things for the house that he wanted to build for God. Amen. And then everyone else stepped up to give, but he gave him this challenge. He said, who then will offer willing, willingly consecrating himself today to the Lord? So he gave with a consecrated heart, and then he challenged and encouraged everyone else to set their house on the house of, to set their hearts on the house of God and give. All right? Number two, there's a connection between our hearts and our giving. Between your heart and your giving. God does not want something that your heart is not connected to. And I think it's so cool that that's how God does it. Yes. You know, because it's it's what the people bring that love God. It's it's It becomes holy money because it comes from the people of God out of their, out of their resources. And it's the people of God that build a house for God. It's just so cool that he does it that way. That's what makes it holy. Amen? Amen. It's holy stuff because y'all bring it in. All right? So there's a, there's a connection between our hearts and our giving. Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters. So we've got to make sure our heart is on track and in the right place when it comes to money. You can't serve uh, two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he'll be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Amen? Yes. Underline that word mammon. Right here it is. Mammon is the love of money, possessions, and whatever is trusted in. So um, we can't we can't serve the love of money. Money is a servant. Money is a tool to us to get this stuff done while we're here. It just struck me as I'm doing that funeral. You know, we're just here for a season. Yeah. And most of the stuff that we do, it involves, we need money. Come on, I need money. Follow me to serve me. Come on, money. Let's get busy. To, to get this, this vision accomplished. Amen? Amen. All right. So um, that's what mammon is. Number three, when money is in its proper perspective, we free our hearts to give back to God affectionately. 
So God doesn't mind us having money. He just doesn't want money to have a hold of us. Yes. Amen? Amen? I give away anything God tells me to give away. Yes. Amen. Anything. Amen. Amen. So, I mean, yeah. Anything but Murray Snow. <laughs> <laughs> There's a boundary. So when money's in its proper perspective, we free our hearts to get back to God affectionately or cheerfully. Second Corinthians 9, 7 says, God loves it when the giver delights in the giving. Amplified said, for God loves, he takes pleasure in, prizes above other things, and is unwilling to abandon or do without. A cheerful, joyous, prompt to do it giver whose heart is in his giving. He wants your heart to be in your giving. And there's a connection between your heart and your treasure. Wherever you put your treasure is where your heart's going to be. Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So it's really a beautiful thing. A beautiful thing when we turn our hearts toward God. Now look at this in Exodus where Moses got ready before David built the the temple, which was more of a permanent place. The the one, uh, I don't know if it's the western wall, the eastern, I think it's the western wall over in Israel. The the one wall that's still left there in the temp- of the temple, there's only one wall left. That's the temple that, de- the wailing wall. Yeah, that's that's the temple that David built, which was more permanent. But before they got to building that temple, there was the tabernacle in the wilderness that they that they uh, built. Well, what happened was when the children of Israel came out of Egypt, they came out of bondage, right? Moses said, go and ask all your neighbors for stuff. And so God gave them favor with all the Egyptians. And the Bible says they plundered the Egyptians. They went in and they gave them all kind of stuff. said that they came out rich. So the children of Israel came out with plenty. They had their arms full, loaded down. They plundered the Egyptians. They had so much stuff. And so Moses puts out this appeal because Moses gets the vision to build the tabernacle in the wilderness. This place, this meeting place where God's going to meet with the people of God. And so... He says, let me see where I am, right here, Exodus. And so here, here's where Moses tells them to bring an offering in, in Exodus 35, 4 through 6. It says that Moses spoke to all the congregation of the children of Israel saying, This is the thing which the Lord commanded, saying, Take from among you an offering to the Lord. Whoever is of a willing heart, let him bring it as an offering to the Lord. Gold, silver, bronze, blue, purple, and scarlet thread, fine linen. So this was, there was no Home Depot. There was no place to go buy this stuff. This was the stuff that they just had. Yes. And so it goes on and says that Moses makes an appeal for every kind of item. If you read it, it just goes on and on and on. All the stuff. And then, I, um, then he called for artisans to come, who craftsmen to come, who could build this and make that and make it according to the specifications that God has, has told him to do it. So each one of the people of God, after they heard the appeal, after Moses said, he spoke to all of them and said, we're taking an offering from among you to build the house. These are the things that we need. Bring them on in. So look what happens. The people left church that day. Exodus 35, 20. They left church that day. Look what it says. And all the congregation of the children of Israel departed from the presence of Moses. Then everyone came whose heart was stirred. Everyone came whose heart was stirred. And everyone whose spirit was willing. And they brought the Lord's offering for the work of the tabernacle of meeting for all its service. I underline that for you. I'm going to talk about that in just a second. For all the holy garments, they came, both men and women, as many as had a willing heart. 
and brought earrings and nose rings and rings and necklaces, all jewelry of gold. That is every man who made an offering of gold to the Lord. And it just goes on and on and on and on. And then when you get over here to chapter 36, verse 4, all the craftsmen came to start taking this stuff and start building it. And look what they said. Look, all the craftsmen got together and said, look, we got to have a meeting with Moses because this, this ain't working. Says then all the craftsmen who were doing all the work of the sanctuary came, each from his work he was doing, and they spoke to Moses, saying, The people bring much more than enough for the service of the work which the Lord commanded us to do. Verse six says, So Moses gave a commandment, and they caused it to be proclaimed throughout the camp, saying, Let neither man nor woman do any more work for the offering of the sanctuary, and the people were restrained from bringing, for the material they had was sufficient for all the work to be done, indeed too much. Now could you imagine, Alfred, me ever saying, y'all don't bring no more, we got enough. Could you imagine? Praise God. Could you imagine the piles of gold and silver and, and fabric and they, I mean, if you look at all the list of stuff they needed to build this tabernacle, this, it became a heap. Yes. We've got way too much stuff. We can't even sort it out. Could you imagine how much the people's hearts were stirred to give, how generous they were? That's awesome. That's what I'm talking about. A consecrated heart that's stirred to give. Number three, preparing for consecrated giving. Number one, preparing my head to understand the scriptures for giving. You know, the Bible says that what we understand spiritually cannot even be stolen by the enemy. Because yes. we know that he comes immediately to steal what we don't completely understand. So you want to look at the scriptures about giving. And if you want to know what they are, just look back to the note sheets that I've given you. So he, but he comes immediately to steal what we don't understand. So when I spiritually understand, I got to prepare my head. Amen. During consecration, I prepare my head, prepare my mind to understand. You know, go back through your firm foundation lesson on tithes and offerings, and and uh, just remind yourself. Second Timothy three sixteen says every part of Scripture is God breathed and useful one way or another, showing us truth, exposing our rebellion, correcting our mistakes, training us to live God's way. Through the Word, we are put together and shaped up for the task. God has for us. So scripture declares that honoring God with an offering releases overflow. Look at Proverbs 3, 9 through 10. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be what? Filled with plenty. Your vats will what? What's the word for October? Overflow. If we want to overflow, then we honor the Lord. Amen. Amen. We want overflow. We honor him with our substance. All right, number two. So we're going to prepare our head with the scriptures, right? And we're going to prepare our hearts for sacrificial giving. Amen. And it's a real good heart check. You know, when we get ready to receive an offering, you know, am I willing to sacrifice? You know, Jesus commented on only really one offering ever that I remember him commenting on. And that was the little widow woman who put in ten mites. Mm-hmm. Yeah, two mites, you're right. My bad. Uh, two, she put in two mites, which was equal to a half a penny. And uh, all the other people came and put in and put in out of their abundance. But he said, this woman has put in all she had. She gave sacrificially. Mm -hmm. And you would think Jesus would say, lady, come back and get your money. You don't need to give because you really don't have very much. But he let her money stay in the offering Mm -hmm. because she needed that breakthrough. Amen? Amen. That breakthrough, that overflow breakthrough. So, So we have to prepare our hearts to be sacrificial in our giving. Because, you know, if it means 
you know, I'm just going to save up the money I normally would give to Starbucks, or normally I'd go out to eat for lunch. You know, maybe I'll just take a sandwich every day this week just to save up that $20, $30, $40 or whatever that is. You know, just however I can um, prepare my heart to sacrifice it. That's going to come from your heart. Amen? Amen. Otherwise, you're going to be on default, auto, <laughs> to see things, you know, not see a way that you can pull resources together for this offering. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, So let each one give as he what? Purposely in his heart. Purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. So we consecrate and spend time. We're preparing our hearts to sow. We're focusing on it. God, during this time of consecration, tell me what you what I need to sow for the overflow that you want to rebound back in my life. Second Corinthians 9:10. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower. You know, in your prayer time, say, Lord, show me my seed. Show me, show me, you give seed to the sower, Lord, give me a seed and I'll sow it. Yes. And bread for food, so he'll supply and multiply the seed you've sown. So you set your heart to sow and ask God to help you prepare the seed. And be willing to stretch. Amen? Amen. Be willing to stretch. Alright, number three. Then the last thing we have to prepare, prepare our hands. Prepare my hands with an unwavering commitment to give. Prepare my hands with an unwavering commitment to give. Because how many of you know, between your heart... And your hand, you can choke. From what you what you spend time in, in, in your prayer time getting from God, you, you, your mind is going to come and say, or the enemy will come and say, why don't you just do half? Mm-hmm. See, that's called choking. <laughs> You're choking. So whatever you, he prepares in your heart to give in this offering, then you make sure that you follow through, that you're diligent to follow through. So I have to prepare my hands to be unwavering. I've made a commitment, God. I've heard from you. Write it down, you know, and put it up on a sticky note. Put it somewhere where you can look at it and say, okay, God, thank you. That's the amount I'm going to give. I'm going to, I thank you and a belief for the overflow that's going to rebound back in my life. So there comes a time to act. And on November 4th, that's the day we're going to act on it. All right? So don't let the enemy get in your head. All right. So Colossians 3, 23 through 24 says, whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord, you receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ. Now, I want to go back to where the scripture says for all its service. In the scripture where it says, the, bring this for this and, and all the uten- all the things that we need for the service of the temple. You know, as we moved into this place and, you know, we know that part of the service of this building and the service of the chairs and the service of, I'm so grateful to New Life for loaning us these chairs, praise God. Amen. But um, we want to buy our own chairs. You know, we want to do, not just have our own chairs, but we want to build this out so that, you know, it, it, it's built out for the purpose that we want to use it for you know, we just fasted one day when I came uh, home from being up here, started working on the on uh, tearing the kitchen floor out and the bathroom floor so if it looks janky, it does look janky, it's because all we've done is tear it up and we're going to polish the concrete and it's going to be beautiful. We're just starting with a small area first and we're going to work our way through this building and get it done. But I came home that first night on Monday night and uh, Murray has never said anything like this before. Murray said, uh, babe, come here and sit down. I got to talk to you. I'm like, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I sat down and he said, um, God spoke to me today. I said, oh, really? What did he say? He said, you know how you're always talking about the scriptures about giving and the scriptures about prospering? He said, I believe God wants me to help and wants us to um, empower people. I was like, talk to me. <laughs> 
And, and the vision goes along with exactly what God spoke to me. He gave me a new mission statement before we even got into this place. And it, it is to encourage, equip, and empower. So God has already put that in my heart. I knew that's our new mission statement for, for being here. But, you know, because I'm a pastor in the fivefold ministry, I'm focusing towards encouraging, equipping, and empowering people with the word, right? Amen. That's how I'm a fivefold ministry. He is a successful man. Yes. And so he wants to impart success to people as we minister to the total person. So he mentioned doing things like resume writing, how to get a mortgage, credit cleanup, interview skills, scholarship opportunities, um, tutoring opportunities, how to search for the right job, financial wisdom, career enhancement, business goals, writing a business plan, things like that. Um, I, and that, I got so excited because that's right along in lines. You know, we're not just ministering to the spirit man, but we're ministering to every part. Like we have computers in here. We have printers in here. We can print up a resume for you. We can, you know, imp actually empower people to do some of the stuff that, that they need in life. I'm so excited about that. Can you all please give God a big hand? Our offering is, is moving this building towards being. You know, a millennial generation expects the building to look a certain kind of way. We're grateful that we have a temple. <laughs> because we've been out there going around that mountain and setting up and tearing down and setting up and tearing down every week. You know, I mean, I know, carrying the tabernacle everywhere we go. But, you know, we're glad to just have a place. But how do you know, for the, when we put the big sign out there, I had a photo shoot yesterday. So we're going to have the new sign up probably by this week or the first of next week. Praise God. We'll have our big sign up. We got it. Did y'all notice we have a sign on the building out there? Yay! We have a sign. So we're moving forward. We're, we're doing stuff. But, um, you know, when we get the sign up out there the, and people begin to come in, it cannot look like 15 years ago. Amen. You know, when we go into a restaurant and it looks 15 years ago, we're like, well, wait a minute. <laughs> Hold up. The food better be really good. <laughs> Because the atmosphere is part of it, like it or not. The atmosphere is part of it. And so we, we really want to get things um, up today. It's really nice that we have all the old stuff back there. I'm planning to just put it all out in the, in the parking lot and have a big old sale. And then I'll take all the money that I get and I'll just take myself right on down to at home and get some cute modern looking stuff to go in here. Praise the Lord. So I had a plan for some of that, but... Um, I want to take this carpet up and we, Nick and I proved that we can do the, the peeling up of the tiles easy enough. So if we get a crew of people down here, I think if we start on a Sunday after church and, and cook or have food or something so that we can just change into our tennis shoes and, and get this floor up in here and, um, you know, d uh, get it scraped up and prepared so we can do concrete, um, then we can, you know, I think we can do a lot of it pretty economically. And those are times when our church really grows and we work together. You know, we get to do stuff. We finally have a place we can hang out, you know. Let's do some hanging out and, and uh, you know, paint. We've, we've, uh, we're going to start painting. There's a lot of paint. A lot of paint. We need a lot of painters. But don't think I'm going to fire you if you're not good. Hey, Pastor Sally, I'm a volunteer. You can't fire me. I will fire you. Pastor Carol says, fire me. I quit. <laughs> it's just a clock. 